Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Alphabets. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Good to see y'all. Good to see y'all as you start to roll in on Rumble. Hello, hello, Chris. What's up, man? How you doing? Chilling. Excited. Chilling. Excited. Chilling. People yeah. seeing Rumble having some problems. I'm not sure what to say other than I, we'll see if it figures I, itself out. <laughs> I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Um, Chris, <laughs> let's uh, I say we get into some uh some prayer right away and we'll get right into it we'll bring ashton in and uh yeah we'll have some fun right on right on all right <clears throat> dear heavenly father we thank you and we praise you we give you all the glory father and we just thank you for another day uh we thank you for everything that you do in our lives we thank you for breathing life into our lungs today uh for giving us this opportunity to come together for fellowship uh to to worship you and and to speak truth to power uh, you know, in, in today, in the world today, Father, the truth is the most important thing and is our most important weapon uh, in order to uh, peel back all the layers of these lies and deceptions that have been sold to us for a very long time. Uh, you know, the, the powers that be that, that rule this world down here have done a very good job, Father, of, um, of uh, pulling the wool over our eyes. And uh, we just look forward to each and every day where we get to speak truth to power where we get to uh, help others see the things that we see to uh, remove those scales from their eyes, Father. And uh, we are just so thankful, uh, again, to have this opportunity to be here today. Uh, Father, we thank you for your guidance, for your protection, for your wisdom and your discernment, uh, but, but uh, especially your protection, Father, over each and every one of us. We know that your arms are around us. We know your angels are with us. And we know that there's absolutely nothing that can harm us. There's no sling. There is no arrow that can touch us. Uh, and we just continue to walk in faith with you, Father. Um, we thank you for bringing uh, Ashton to us today. And we just know that uh, you will just uh, help us continue to uncover the truth. Uh, for that is what we search for each and every day. Because the truth is the light that will shine on the darkness of this world. And it will expose all of these things uh, that uh, we've been lied to about, Father, and we look forward to having that opportunity to do that today. Uh, we thank you for your protection over uh, President Trump and his family. Uh, we know that you will continue watching over them and guiding them. Father, we thank you for everybody here in this chat tonight and anybody that comes across this video. We know that, that you are with them as well, that you are protecting them, that your arms are around them, and that nothing can harm them. And Father, we thank you for... Uh, we thank you for the prophets. We know that you are, you've anointed and you are speaking through many, and we just know that you will continue to uh, to walk with them and guide them and help guide us towards the truth. And Father, we thank you so much for this uh, wonderful community here we have at Alpha Vets. We, we just know that you will continue to help us grow, that you will continue to help spread this message far and wide all over this country and all over the world, Father. And uh, we just we just look forward to each and every day, uh, you know, you find a way to humble us and we thank you for all of the, the the blessings, all the things we take for granted, Father. We just thank you so much and uh, <clears throat> we just we just look forward to each and every day and that uh, we have you in our lives, Father, and we just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Ashton. Oh, can't hear you. Hey, there we go. How's it going tonight, everybody? 
Good. Yeah. That was a good prayer. I appreciate it. I was uh, I was listening in on uh, with that. Right on, man. Right on. I wasn't I wasn't honestly sure. So I uh hey, uh that that's great. That's uh your intro is fire too. Wow, man. That was uh that's awesome. You guys have spoken to General Flynn. That's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um yeah, he had a he had a good time ranting that day. Oh yeah, that was a good it was a good he had a lot to say that day. He had a lot to say. It was a lot of fun. Um uh Ash, we've never met. We've never met. I know you you and Chris have spoken, so it's good to to finally meet you. Um, I, I love your stuff. I love your work of uh, what you've been doing. And um, before we get into it, if you, if you guys don't know Ashton, he's got, I have his YouTube and his, his Twitter slash X in the info below. Just go check him out. He's got a lot of good, um, a lot of good content and we appreciate it. And if you wouldn't mind for those that don't know who you are, uh, just uh, give them a little bit about yourself before we get into it. It'd be great. Yeah. Um, so I guess I came onto the scene about six months ago um, when um, some videos had reemerged on social media that uh, they emerged on this uh, UFO subreddit. But they seem to show what at least I believe and many others now to be the true fate of Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, which is the plane that disappeared back in 2014 um, over there in Asia. And after I saw these videos, you know, I had I had seen like a lot of crazy videos that I, I didn't know them were, were like that compelling, right? Like lights floating around in the sky and all kinds of stuff like that. But it wasn't until I saw these videos when I went, holy crap, like this, <laughs> there's like a whole body of like evidence you can dig into these videos to like, you know, validate them. And the uh, the social media presence kind of got censored early on on reddit yeah. which i just i'm not a fan of reddit i'll just throw that out there um <laughs> and after that happened i decided no i'm not letting this go like i want to dig more into this there's too much corroborating evidence and for the last six months that's pretty much what i've been doing is not just into the videos themselves and all the details of the two videos um but also the, around what happened to the missing plane when it disappeared like all the old press conferences and everything and People that are old enough that were adults when it disappeared 10 years ago will know that it was a weird situation. Like this plane disappears yeah. off the face of the earth. They're like searching at one spot and then they're like, no, just kidding. It We think it went over this a whole completely different area. And then a few days later, like, oh, no, now we think it went to the South Indian Ocean. Everyone's going, what? Like, how do we not right. know where a plane is? How can a plane disappear in 2014? Right. And I already knew that before I looked at these videos that United States government has to know more about what happened to these right. videos or what happened to this plane, because we got satellites everywhere. Right. It's like planes don't just go on eight hour joy rides without being seen in the <laughs> world. Right. You think people are stupid, man. <laughs> and, and they are, unfortunately. Right. And like even I was back then. Right. I call myself like a, a reformed CNN yeah. brain. Right. Where like yeah, we're. We're in the same you know? boat. We're all in the same boat. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, that's why I look at this situation. I go, there's people that are still asleep. And then there's people. And once you wake up, there's no going back. Like you, you never go back to sleep after that. And, mm -hmm. and that's the situation. And so I've been kind of, I would say exposing these videos. It's been really hard because I'm also a Patriot. I'm wearing my Alex Jones shirt today, my red, white, and blue. Um, but at the same time, like I'm implicating the United States government in these videos and disappearance of the plane. Um, and I think that the body of evidence, which is huge, if you guys go to my Twitter mm -hmm. profile, you go to my pin tweet, it's 14 pages of evidence broken down into categories about the videos, 
uh, the most likely scenario related to a fire, the witnesses, um, the person the you're talking it. about. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I, we have this Google Doc that's out there. It got so long, I needed to put it in a Google Doc. I know, you um, got 14 pages here. Yeah, and you know, and so some of it's probably stronger evidence than others, but if you look through it in terms of the whole body of knowledge, we think that this presents by far the most plausible scenario for what happened to the plane, you know, using more evidence than anyone else to date. You know, we look, use the scientific method and we're like, okay, let's take all the evidence, pull all the evidence back in, and we're only going to eliminate evidence if it doesn't make any logical sense, doesn't have any supporting corroboration for it. And it turns out the only thing we had to throw out is these satellite pings that they claim prove the plane went into the South Indian Ocean. So this is that's Ooh. the short abridged version of how we've gotten to where I am right now. And the funny part is, like, I'm, I guess I'm part of this UFO community now. But both sides hate me, like hate me with a passion really? People that are the believers. Right. And the people that are ones that are the skeptics, they both hate me, which is like not what I would have expected. Right. And I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm like, I don't really know about aliens, but like I'm looking at two videos. that got some crazy advanced technology that shows like anti-gravity technology and potentially yeah. even what we would call teleportation. So there's going to be people out there yeah. going, wait, he's saying that teleportation is real. Yeah, I am. Crazy enough, I am. Like, if you had talked to me a year ago, I'd have been like, nah, there's no way, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, over the last few years, you guys can look at the science. The science is starting to catch up to this idea of like a holographic principle, which is this idea that our what we see around us is not all that there is, that there's some underlying framework, like that our universe is a construct. And the double slit experiment is what shows this best. And that's where I started to kind of go down into the science and be like, wait, can this really scientifically check out? And the answer mm -hmm. is yes. What we've been calling it is macroscopic phase conjugation. That's what the, the smart, smart scientists that I've been talking to. You guys all get that? On it. Yeah. <laughs> macroscopic phase conjugation. Now, if you want to think of it in a, in a simpler term, think of it like how when somebody how we can break a glass by a certain sound waves, right? There's a video out right. there that if you look up like breaking a wine glass with sound waves, you can watch the wine glass begin to like wobble and shake, right? And then all of a sudden tsh, it shatters. Portal, I guess, but the real thing is it's kind of creating a gravitational wave where you're riding on the gravitational wave and you are essentially then moving faster than the speed of light, which is why it looks like you're disappearing from one place and reappearing in another. Now, the implication here is, you know, as, as religious people, I think you can understand this is that we live in a construct then and therefore there would have to be a, a creator, uh, which I think is mm -hmm. interesting because when I first dug into this, I, you know, I was still on that partial CNN brain where I was going. I feel like the religious people are going to have a hard time with un accepting there's, you know, this extra dimension or aliens or whatever. turns out it's the exact opposite. Like people that are religious are like, nah, this like proves there's a creator. This proves like my ideas. Like even right. if there's aliens, then okay, the creator created the, them as well, right? It's the people that like just believe whatever they see on the news, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the politics, but all these narratives out there, like if they just believe whatever they're told, those are the people like, no, I haven't been told that you can teleport a thing. So therefore it can't be true, right? So exact right. opposite of what I would expect it. Yeah, it's, go ahead, Chris. Now, exactly. So, like what you said, I was CNN brain back in the day. Watch, I I went to I was at the DOJ when when that flight went down. I was working at the DOJ. I would read CNN. I watched CNN. You know, I was just happy go lucky uh, working in the government. You know, I had no clue. Although, like I will tell everybody, my whole life, 
it felt the world felt like it didn't make it never made sense to me. Like it was like wearing an itchy sweater all the time. Like mm -hmm. 9-11, there were so many things that happened that didn't make sense. But when this thing went down, I was like, there's no way. There's no way a plane just disappears. So I remember being at work, scouring over satellite images, trying to find this thing like for hours, for hours, scouring over empty ocean, just looking, you know, and it never made sense to me that this thing just disappeared out of thin air. So when your video came out, like, I'm not one of those like, nope, that can't be real. I'm like, that makes more sense than what they're telling me. I was I was hooked when I first seen it when I because I I never seen the footage until you showed it and I was just like this is absolutely wild and I seen like the process of you going like people constantly trying to debunk it oh yeah and and you went through all this if if you guys haven't I would suggest going to his his full evidence video on his YouTube channel it's like two and a half hours long go check that out I'm not gonna lie I was watching I was like man I feel dumb. Like just like listening to this because like because I like I understand it but like obviously I don't like I my mind can totally wrap around it because as as crazy as things you know you said you had both sides coming at you and uh, a couple years ago like me I'm I'm more of I'm me personally I am a I am a not aliens but demonic that has tech in a different dimension type type mindset that's just me but i would have told you that that stuff was absolutely impossible because of the the mindset of the alien narrative and it wasn't in, really until honestly my my favorite minister started going over their stuff because he's a pilot and he talks about all the stuff that he sees in the sky and and the people he knows that have gone through this stuff and he was talking about this different tech of that wraps itself around and basically it, it there's no resistance to anything and, and you can see in that video i mean it i think you said that this is shown that this is government like ma like the flight 370 in itself this was government done but it shows you that the tech they have is absolutely wild and it brings in the whole concept of time travel because if 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 time and space are actually the same thing yep and it's 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 wild to think about it's wild yeah and on that front like i've been talking to some engineers and and physicists um and, and scientists some of them work for the navy like salvatore pius uh others are just contractors with the dod and the hardest time i struggle with is the idea of the the time manipulation right and now time dilation is real as well which that was another thing. I don't know when Interstellar came out, but that's when I first realized that time dilation was real because they have that scene where they like go to this planet that's next to a black hole and there's these giant waves that are like 100 feet tall. Matthew McConaughey is out there with Anne Hathaway. Yeah. And they go back to the space station that's like further away from the black hole and like 20 years have gone by. The dude's like an old man now. Right. And I went, yeah. wait a minute. What? I was like, that can't be real. <laughs> And then I go Google it and it turns out, nope, time dilation is real. Like the closer you are to more mass, then the slower your time flows. So if I, we're down here on the planet, if you would go up into outer space, like further, further away from the earth, your time is actually moving faster. And the weird part about that is if you were to imagine what that would look like for each observer, 
when you're the person whose time is moving faster, it looks like everything else is moving slower to you. So like if you are on that space station looking down at the planet where Matthew McConaughey are on, it would look like they're moving in slow motion. And if you're Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway on the planet, you're looking up at the space station, it's going to look like it's moving super speed. Right. And that's an extreme mm. example. But the only reason why we don't feel that like right now while we're talking is because we're all on the surface of the earth right now. So we're all experiencing a similar amount of time dilation. Um, but then when you start to think about that and you're like, OK, well, if we can move faster than time, then speed of light, does that break causality? Can I move back in time? Like, how does that work? And I still like that's one of the most complicated things to wrap your brain around, because I absolutely believe that we can teleport, which just means moving faster than the speed of light. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we have faster than like communication, too. But then the question is, OK, well, does the communication show up in the future? And if so, like, how does that work time wise? Right. I still think that my opinion is that you can't go backwards in time. You can go forwards in time. Like if I was to go to like Alpha Centauri, like the closest star to us. Right. And I was to move faster than the speed of light or at the speed of light then I'm going to show up three or four years later because that's how far away it is. It's four light years away. So like that's literally I would show up in the future. From my frame of reference, it would seem like I'm showing up instantly. But from the people that are there, I would be showing up four years after I left from here. And that's where you start to wonder, like, what does now even mean? Right. Is there even a now like, or is it just our perception from our biology that's out there? Um, perception. So this is where, and just to go back to the other point as well, in terms of like what happened with this plane early on, like I definitely knew there was something weird that happened with it because I was also following. I wasn't one of those people that was looking through the satellite images or whatever. There are some people that are like adamant that they think they saw some parts or something, but most of that satellite searching was in the South or in the South China Sea where the plane initially goes dark, which is between, mm -hmm. uh, near Vietnam and Thailand and Malaysia. Um, and they searched everywhere there. They searched with 80, 80 planes and boats um, for like five days or more. And then they found nothing at all. And then they went ahead and said, nope, just kidding. We actually saw it on radar go back across the country to the Straits of Malacca, which are on the west side of the country. And it's like, wait, why are they lying about that for five days? Right. So right away, everybody's like, there's something going on here. Uh, the press conferences that were happening. If you go back and rewatch the press conferences, it's pretty obvious that they were obfuscating or lying about what they knew. Like mm -hmm. uh, a New York Times reporter even goes and asks them, like, is it even possible to turn off all the electronics in, in the in the in the plane? And then like the Minister of Transportation is like, um, we're going to have to look into that. He's like, but isn't it just like a simple question that you should know, like right away if it's possible? And they just won't answer. Well, it'll come out in the investigation. It's like, what do you mean it'll come out in the investigation? Like. There could be people stranded on an island somewhere in some boats and a rafts in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> and you're sitting here talking about it might come out in the investigation. And we can't answer that. Like, that's not how, like, if you're running an open, transparent investigation, any of this stuff would work. So for me, like, I've always been very afraid of flying, even though I've flown a lot for my job um, in the last mm -hmm. 20 years. And that's the reason why I've looked into a lot of these uh, plane disappearance crashes and stuff, because, like, I learned from reading Malcolm uh, Gladwell that in Tipping Point, that it's not just one thing that goes wrong. Usually it's a cascading series of events for something to go catastrophically wrong. Mm -hmm. And I, I just looked at the whole situation and was like, this doesn't make sense. And then they come out with this like pilot suicide narrative where they're like, oh, 
we looked at his simulator that he had and you can guys can go check the simulator out. He has this like custom simulator, like three screens, like completely custom built. It's like if you built your own arcade in your own house, right? right. The guy loves flying and they go and look at it and it, like everything gets misreported. They claim like, oh, there was this matching route in there, but it wasn't a matching route. Like they actually just find the route from Kuala Lumpur to Jeddah, which goes northwest. And they mm -hmm. claim like, oh, this is the route he was practicing. He was literally scheduled to fly that that exact flight like two days before he was practicing that route. Like it's not he wasn't practicing a suicide route. He was literally just practicing the route he was scheduled to fly. And then they say, oh, well, we found one data point in the South Indian Ocean or Antarctica or something. And they just say, well, that proves that he was planning to go there. But uh, all the officials and I think even the FBI later came out and quietly said that, no, there's no evidence of that. But people, it doesn't stop people from running with that that theory. Um, mm -hmm. and that's kind of where it's like, you know, you, it's like, what about the other options, right? Like how come we're so stuck on this one right. option? And the thing is that these satellite pings, so these satellite pings, they, the raw telemetry data for these satellite pings doesn't get released until May 28th, 2014, which we only recently figured out before that there was like lines on maps, but there was no like hard evidence of the raw data. Um, and it's weird because if you if you're the satellite company Immersat and you've got these satellite pings, shouldn't you be releasing them like the next day so that people can yeah, look at them so, right? But they wait like weeks and weeks and weeks. And this in these videos, we can see coordinates in the bottom left of the of the satellite video, which no one even knows what a satellite video would even look like. And that's part of the difficult part about trying to understand these videos. Um, but the coordinates indicate the Nicobar Islands, not just the Nicobar Islands, but the exact location where all the narratives, everybody says that the plane turned into the South Indian Ocean. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going looking at the going, wait, what? Like the exact location where the plane turned into the South Indian Ocean? The video, that video was published May 19th, 2014. That's eight days, nine days before the raw telemetry data was released. So how the hell did somebody know to put those coordinates in that video if they faked the video, right? This right. is some of the strongest evidence. And I think that just be because this came up recently, there hasn't really been a counter narrative. But I, I, as far as I know, the debunkers just say, oh, well, they just guessed. They just guessed. What are you talking about? They just guessed. Like Lucky the guess. last radar data has it like 350 <clears throat> miles away from that location, right? And it's not on a logical route. Like if you were going to the South Indian Ocean, you just fly directly over Indonesia. So if you guys look at a map, right, like the South, you've got Malaysia and then they're flying. Uh, I'm going to try to do this where people can see it correctly. They're flying over to Beijing, um, northeast. And then all of a sudden they cut back. Now, if you're going to cut back and you go to the South Indian Ocean, you're going to come way down here. But instead, they cut back mm -hmm. and go towards the closest airport. And then they do another cut. And they'd fly over towards the Nicobar Islands for some reason. But if this is a suicidal pilot, you, why are you taking evasive maneuvers, right? First of all, you would just crash the plane right away if that was your intent, right? Right. Second of all, if you're trying to go to the South Indian Ocean, you're just going to go straight across Indonesia, right through the mainland of Indonesia. You're not going to try to cut around Indonesia through the Nicobar Islands. Like, it, you don't care about being caught on radar or anything like that. That's not how you avoid radar anyway, but... You know, if they send up jets after you, you just crash the plane anytime you want, right? Mm -hmm. You've got control of the plane. So the whole narrative of the South Indian Ocean, when you start to think about it, makes no sense at all. And then you start to realize, and I haven't even reported this yet, 
that these satcoms that they found these ping data on or whatever that they ping to the the satellite that's in geostationary orbit it, they all have zero day exploits they're all extremely easy to hack and if you wanted to change the direction of travel all you'd have to do is change one number in the satellite uh satcom and now it's going in a completely different direction north or south or east or west and so if you think about that you can realize that it, the easiest thing to hack and fake is the satellite pings. And that's the only evidence that this plane went to the South Indian Ocean. There is no other evidence that the plane went to the South Indian Ocean. Um, even the debris that they found, three pieces of debris, three pieces of debris. That's what they right. found. They found it in Africa, 3,000 yeah, like miles away. Like <laughs> yeah. 3,000 miles away, guys. Like this. Is, so you're telling me this debris floated for 3,000 miles and none of it washed up on Australia? even though the plane supposedly crashed off of the coast of Australia mm -hmm. in the South Indian Ocean, right? Um, so if people use critical thinking, I think they should realize right away that something isn't right here. And the last thing I'll say is this, is that a lot of people immediately assumed hijacking. It was post 9-11 world. We thought mm -hmm. maybe the plane was hijacked, but there wasn't really any evidence of it. But it was, it seemed like too complicated for hijacking, right? Like we know 9-11, you know, uh, probably one of the biggest tragedies in you know american history right. we, we're told that these hijackers hijack the planes and they crash them into the buildings within like 15 minutes right it's not like they're going on hour-long joy rides looking for buildings right they they, they get them they, the plane goes up they hijack it immediately and then they go crash them in the buildings right so this doesn't seem like that kind of scenario right some people think oh they were trying to crash it into the patronus towers which were in kuala lumpur but that's not where the plane even goes it doesn't even go back to kuala lumpur um, so what about this though? What if it's an espionage scenario? What if it's a state funded actor, right? Like that, now they would talking. have the resources, right? They would have the capability to pull something off like this. So that's what I would kind of present to your guys chat out there is that to me, the espionage scenario makes much more sense than a hijacking or even a pilot suicide scenario. Mm. Well, considering everything we've learned about the intelligence agencies and all the black book operations and the, the, the probably endless amounts of money, it's easy to come to that conclusion that they have technology that we can't even fathom that they hide from us and use to their advantage. Because that's, if I was evil, that's what I would do. I would have, I would do all this stuff outside the public eye and then I would use that technology whenever it benefited me. And then as long as I own the media and everybody else, I can sell whatever narrative I want to Absolutely. to the people because I have the biggest bullhorn. And like you said, if you can think critically, like even back then when I was watching CNN and all that, I knew the story being told to us was BS. Yeah, do you remember when they, had the, they <laughs> talked about the phones ringing and... So 19 phones, 19 family members signed a joint statement begging the government to look into the fact that the phones were still ringing for up to four days. And one of them shows it. They even go on TV and show the phone ringing. We got a, we got a recording of that as well. And I'm just sitting there. They, CNN brings this guy on. He's a communications expert. And he goes, well, uh, the phones could still ring, blah, blah, blah. Bullshit, man. I thought about that. Now I'm going, how are we falling for this, man? Like, when was the last time you turned your phone off and it rang? Never, never. <laughs> the phone goes underwater. It doesn't receive a radio signal anymore. The phone is in the salt water. It dies within like 15, 30 minutes. If it was like one or two phones, 
okay, I could probably believe it, maybe, right? 19, right? And you start to realize, like, this is why the families are freaking out on these press conferences, right? The phones are ringing. They're being told through the media that, oh, it's uh, we don't know what happened or that, oh, it was a pilot suicide. They're going, bullshit. They're going, my, my, my loved one's phone is ringing, right? It's crazy. See, four I, days? I thought four days. Four days. Yeah, they were ringing. Four days. I remember all that. And I was like, well, maybe they, like, there was a part that was like, well, maybe they took the plane somewhere and landed and they just don't want anybody to know. But, you know, yeah. I, t I tagged you in a video, I think over the weekend, uh, Ashen, and it's, you know, they love to sell us truth through fiction. Yeah. They love yes. it. They're good at it. The CIA is very good at using Hollywood to sell us, to show us the truth. And then when I, the first time I saw your video, the video, I was like, yes. man. It reminds me of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So in that movie, there are three orbs that are flying yep. around the country. People wild. are seeing that, but the three orbs are a part of a bigger mothership, right? And you, all these people disappear. And at the end of this movie, on top of the mountain that we're told is a mountain, but really looks like a petrified, humongous tree trunk to me, uh, Devil's Tower, the, the mothership shows up and all of these people get off of the ship that have been missing for years and these, they're pilots a lot of them were pilots and they you know it was thought their planes crashed and then they, they they were like look they haven't aged a bit and i was like how crazy like where did these people go if yeah and and so that's the thing too is like well so let me first address the cia thing about how selling truth through, through fiction so first of all you have the element of predictive programming, which is what you're mentioning, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. I, I truly believe some of these directors, producers, they have inside information mm -hmm. and they use the medium of television and movies to get it out there to us, to acclimate us to the, these ideas potentially, right? And if aliens are real, that's a great way to acclimate people as well, to get them slowly more comfortable with it, right? Now, I don't know if they are, but same thing with the technology. Like, I think that literally Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek we're not talking about Star Trek teleportation in these videos. We're talking about Star Trek warp drive, where it's like, hit me a warp 10, right? Now, all of a sudden, I'm over in some other location. Like, yeah, that's like the kind of technology we're doing. Yeah, like hyperspace. Yes, exactly. And the other part, too, is going back to the narratives. One of the narratives that was sold right away is, well, the plane got depressurized. The pilot depressurized the plane. And sometimes when people lie, the best lies have elements of truth to them, right? Mm -hmm. So the narrative that we're presenting is that the pilot didn't, magically turn off all the power by themselves there's like four different apus that they would have had to disable it's not even possible for one person to turn them off people just ignore that fact now you can depressurize the plane we found out but it's more logical first of all you also have to be really high in the air if you want to have people succumb from hypoxia really quickly if you're lower to the air ground then there's more oxygen right when your plane is flying if you're under like ten thousand feet so when this plane goes dark Mike McKay is on an oil rig at about the maximum distance you could see the plane, maybe even reflecting off the ocean. He's going to see it very low on the horizon. And he sees it on fire. Now, we had been looking at the batteries. There was five, 487 pounds of dangerous lithium-ion batteries and missed two security screenings on board this plane. The most likely scenario is that the batteries ignited. And two pallets of them were near the MEC, which is the main equipment center, also known as the Electronics Bay. And there's even a Wired article that argues that an electrical fire could have been the cause of it going dark and would explain exactly where the plane turned when it went back to Penang as the closest airport. And I'm just sitting there going, well, what about these batteries? What about these 500 pounds of lithium-ion batteries? Has anyone actually seen a lithium-ion battery fire? It's extremely scary. And that's just a battery that's like the size of my phone 
you got 500 pounds of these things. They just stack them up in cardboard boxes. You guys can look at the ATSB report. They clearly were not stacked safely. They missed these two security screenings. Mike McCasey is the plane on fire, consistent with the, the batteries igniting at that moment. And then the automatic mm -hmm. Halon fire extinguishing gas will go ahead and put it out. And then it has a low rate uh, that it goes into automatically after that that can last for up to three hours. So you can imagine that this fire goes up. Mike McKay sees it. There's nine people on the coast that hear these loud noises consistent with probably the batteries exploding or whatever. Doesn't explode the plane, but does significant damage to it. And now the pilots got to descend and they've got to depressurize the plane, but not to knock all the passengers out, but because the Halon fire extinguishing device, the way this stuff works, and, I, and I've learned all of this through the investigation, by the way, which is kind of blows my mind, but it sucks the oxygen out of the area. That's how it puts the fire out. So if you've got these things going off, sucking the oxygen out of the plane, you've got a pressurized plane, you're going to asphyxiate everybody. So what do you do? You depressurize mm -hmm. the plane and you fly low. That's apparently exactly what you're supposed to do in a fire scenario like this. When I was on Tim Pool, there was people in the comments that were pilots that were mentioning this. Well, that would be consistent. And then what happens? 10 minutes later, it's, it turns around, goes directly to Penang Airport, which is the closest airport to accommodate a 777 in this emergency situation. There's eight people on the coast or uh, fishing off the coast, 10 miles off the coast. They see this plane flying low 10 minutes later. That's very quickly later. I mean, 10 minutes is not very long in terms of flying terms, right? So you can imagine mm -hmm. it goes from cruising altitude way up here and now it goes very low because it's battling this fire. And then the reason why it's going to Penang and not Kuala Lumpur is because there are a, a mountain ridge there between uh, Penang and Kuala Lumpur. I looked it up earlier. I think it goes up to about 7,000 feet. Keep in mind, it's middle of the night. It's like 1 to 2 a.m. There's It's pitch black. And you're flying low under 10,000 feet. You're going to be afraid. You're going to crash into a mountain right at that point. I mean, it's you know, you've got some buffer there, but you want to make sure that your terrain is like going downward where you're not going to have any hills or mountains in your way, potentially, because you can't see a damn thing, most likely. Um, so then the plane gets to Penang, right? And the, the co-pilot's cell phone pings a cell tower. Now, in order for that to even happen, the plane has to be flying very low, estimated to be under 7,000 feet at that point. So now we've got a pretty logical path where this was a fire scenario. It was trying to land mm -hmm. at Penang. Can't land there. We don't know exactly why. If you look at the pilot handbook, you're supposed to try to land on your belly if your landing gear is damaged, which we've speculated could be possible. Not sure. Um, but landing on your belly on the, on the ground when you have a, a tank full of fuel... <laughs> Seems like a very dangerous scenario, as well as dumping the fuel while your plane's on fire also seems pretty dangerous. So the next thing you're supposed to do is try to land in the ocean. And what does the plane do? Flies out into the ocean, into the Straits of Malacca and the Andaman Sea and the Nicobar Islands. Now, what's going on in that area? Uh, the Cobra Gold and, and Cope Tiger exercises between the United States and Thailand are happening between February and March. This is, in fact, the Cope Tiger exercises, which were slated to begin on March 10th, just a day and a half later, the theme that year was search and rescue. So they would have had all their most advanced equipment sitting there, right? Right. Right in that exact spot. And the planes flying directly at them. Like, this is not a suicide scenario, right? That's not where you go if you're going to a suicide scenario. And there's also no way they wouldn't have detected a rogue 777 flying at them as well, right? Like, you would be on high alert. So... The last part is that we then have another witness and this and just for the record of everybody listening, we actually work this the opposite way. I'm telling it to you where when we found those coordinates and we found out that that's the Nicobar Islands because we were able to graph it and figure out exactly the direction of the plane based on the movements of the satellite video. 
we found a witness right there, Catherine T. She's on a boat, a British lady with her husband and a, a crew member. And they were going from, was it uh, India to Phuket, Thailand. She sees the plane glowing orange, flying low, billowing black smoke out of the back of it. And her sighting was estimated to be about 10,000 feet. And she sees it descending during the course of her sighting as well, coming from the right direction as well, from the east. Why is the plane glowing orange, we asked, right? I sat there for probably, I don't know, it took about a week to figure out that there's bromine in the Halon 1301 fire extinguishing gas. And that if you have potentially pouring water on the batteries, you have this chemical reaction where bromine's being released. And now if okay. bromine's being released, it's I think it's a toxic gas as well. But if you guys watch videos of bromine, it's like this thick gas, this orange halogen gas, which glows orange, that is permeating potentially throughout the plane because they've been battling this fire. These fire extinguishing devices are going off for an hour, hour and 20 minutes. And then their plane's flying low because it's attempting an emergency landing in the water where they can get some assistance and support potentially from the military. And um, Catherine T watches it for like five or 10 minutes. And her sighting gets kind of weird because the plane seems to make a loop around her boat in the same counterclockwise direction of travel we see in the videos. But then she yeah. goes inside and puts the kettle on. And I've talked to her. I like actually spoke to her back in October. I got in touch with her and she was not familiar with the case at all. Um, and she basically reiterated all her old story from eight years ago, nine years ago that she put out there. Everything was still consistent. She says the time was 1840 UTC, which was the exact time we had estimated the plane would be there. Um, and so now we've got a situation where we've got corroboration from if you add all these witnesses up, 19 different witnesses. But we have more than that, too. There's even a Mayday call that's only reported in China Times in Chinese. I couldn't believe we found all this crap. This Chinese only reported Mayday call that they claimed that it was like an intercepted communication from the Thai embassy as if like some type of, you know, espionage or something like that, where China intercepted this communication from MH370 at 2.43 a.m. Now, if you take 2.43 a.m. and convert it to Malaysia or from Malaysian time, assume it's Malaysian time and convert it to UTC time, that's 18.43 UTC within three minutes of Catherine T's supposed sighting. And it, it claims that the plane was disintegrating and then attempting an emergency landing. And I'm just going, what? Okay, so we've got a witness who sees the plane glowing orange. You've got this Mayday call. You've got a 200 or 487 pounds of lithium-ion batteries. They're super dangerous that the Malaysian airline CEO lies about for a week. So he's asked on May or March 13th, is there any dangerous cargo in the cargo bay? No, nothing. March 20th, a week later. Oh, yeah, just kidding. 487 pounds of lithium-ion batteries. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so to me, that's the obvious scenario of what's going on. And just to wrap it up, I would say that, OK, at, great, Ashton, you've got this fire scenario. It's You've got 19 witnesses. You've got a Mayday call. You've got two videos that also show the plane descending and smoke coming out of the back of it as well. You know, uh, why, though? Why are you covering this up? Why this giant cover up? Why the lie about the South Indian Ocean? Why did they have to? Uh, fake the satellite pings, right? Which would take some pretty serious hacking and state actors probably to pull off. Well, the answer is pretty simple. Look at what happens in the videos. There's three freaking orbs defying gravity yes. spinning around the plane and disappearing so, it. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm going to pull it up just, be yeah, let's, just let's for the it. people was, yes, that haven't it. seen it. 
so this now this is this the, is the drone video so this is the, this the, drone, is the drone video, video. And so both of these are in like infrared cameras but you have to realize this is a multi-spectral raytheon camera these are the most advanced cameras on the face of the planet for 2014 you can see this and, is a, a drone because you can see the nose of it you can even see the mm -hmm. brain that's with the little heat signature on the side of it right there as well that's where the brain is where it flips up and that's where like the like if you're a computer or whatever that's like where the brain of the drone is so that's why you see the heat signature come in there um, we think this is an MQ-1C Gray Eagle. It has the exact same body as an MQ-9 Reaper. But mm -hmm. when you Google the MQ-1C, there's two key pieces of evidence. One is that if you look at the pictures, you can actually find one that has cameras under both wings, just like this. And then the other piece, too, is that if you Google SIGINT payload, signals intelligence payload, the top hit is the MQ-1C uh, Gray Eagle. And that's important because the signals intelligence is how all these assets communicate, how the spy plane can communicate to the drone, how the ground can communicate to the drone, how the satellites communicate with all of them. It's called signals intelligence SIGINT, basically just like a big network that communicates back mm -hmm. and forth. So we're very confident this is an MQ-1C Gray Eagle that we're looking at here, and it's looking horizontally. When we look at the second video, we're going to be looking downward at an angle from probably very high altitude. And they just happen to be recording. No, not just happen. That's the thing too, right? Because people say, well, yeah, why was yeah, the drone that's there, saying. right? And so, because that, that's a good thing you brought up. So why is the drone there? This drone can't catch up to the plane. It also can't fly at the altitudes the plane flies at. But we see these clouds here. Those are cumulus clouds that we're seeing. Cumulus clouds only form at low altitudes, one to 5,000 feet. So this is a very low altitude that we're looking at here. We can't tell exactly how far above it is, but I don't know, just looking at an eyeball, a couple thousand feet above the clouds maybe, right? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the drone would have had to intercept it. So now this is already, remember when I mentioned the espionage scenario? You have two possibilities. Yep. Either they intercepted this plane in one hour and 20 minutes, which is how long it takes to get from where it goes dark to the Nicobar Islands, where we see it in the coordinates in the second video, or this was planned out far in advance and they had the things right. Now we know the Cope Tiger and Cobra Gold exercises were going on in this area. So it's very possible that they had the assets there. We even found two military bases, um, Port Blair, as well as Car Nicobar, that theoretically could have had the drones there. They're the joint India-US bases. I My guess would be Car Nicobar is where this drone came from. Because if you were to draw a line from Car Nicobar to where the coordinates are, it's basically the exact same like visual perspective as what we're looking at here. This is looking southwards, generally, like south into the west, slightly, is the way this drone is looking. And we know that because we can map out the coordinates in the satellite video. And we know that this one is looking from the opposite direction of the satellite video. And there's our plane. You can see the smoke coming out of the back. This is not contrails because it's too low. Contrails only form above 18,000 feet. Remember, we're much lower than that. So this is either exhaust or smoke. And it makes more sense for it to be smoke given the scenario, but we leave it somewhat open-ended. You can already see the first orb rolling up. And look at these orbs. So one thing right away is that when you look at these orbs, we're not looking at a metal ball here. That is a, like a plasma field around the orbs. And the way we know that is because we can see the color difference kind of change around it, where it gets kind of yep. blue near the edges. Um, mm -hmm. And then it bends a lot as well, right? It, you, if this was a metal ball, it's not going to be like bending or anything like that, right? It's going to look like a sphere the whole time, right? So that's the first thing is bizarre because in UFOlogy, you always see like either these disks or you see like the, maybe a metal sphere. But I had never seen mm -hmm. a situation where I'm just looking at like a either like a field or like a plasma ball, however you want to describe it here. And you pointed out in the video before that these orbs are being led 
right? Mm-hmm. Like there, there is something in front of them in these trails that is actually like pulling them or yeah for the next like 15 seconds if you look closely you can already see the black lines behind a couple of the orbs right there right but they're actually in front of the orbs pulling them forward and if you look closely you'll be able to see it it's pretty wild you can see like black lines i see them like in front of it we call this the geodesic because what it's doing here is it's, it's basically creating its own gravity well in front of it and we also know there's two different effects happening here one is that the orbs are defying gravity entirely. That's why they were able to intercept the plane so quickly and match the speed of the plane. They're not falling to the ground. And then the second thing, so they're defying gravity entirely. And the way that we think that that's happening is the plasma ball around it. The field around it is allowing it to displace from space-time entirely, which gives it, when you've display, made like a bubble, basically think of like a bubble in the water, but a bubble in space. Now your mm-hmm. localized mass becomes zero. And if your mass is zero, now gravity doesn't affect you anymore. Right. The same way where if you have like a balloon, the balloon is not going to fall to the ground. Now, if you have zero mass there, you're going to have it's not exactly the same as that, but that's just an analogy. Um, And then the second part is it's being pulled forward. Right. So there's two different gravitational effects here happening. Um, And and this is the part where I'm looking. I'm just going, who the hell would even think of this? I've never seen anything like this in my whole damn life. Not even in the movies. Right. This is some tech out here. (laughs) This is some crazy crap for sure. Right. And this is the part where it's like, it's too hard to let it go when you look at this. Because also, once you see the zoom in, and also you can tell that they're manually tracking the plane, right? The plane's going off the view. You can see the shake is accurate. The shake increases when they zoom in as well, which is just like if you're zooming in with your camera, right? And then look at that field right there. When you when you pause it right there, you see that orb? Look at the heat signature on that orb that only yeah. is like one part of it. So I talked it- to low low power nuclear reaction or low energy nuclear reaction engineer bob greenier and he makes a video about this before i even meet him and he's freaking out because he's going this proves all our theories about plasmoids and toroidal moments which is that inside here if you look at like a plasma ring like a donut ring that it creates these fields on either side and under the Mm -hmm. right shape you can create this exact uh he calls it the thor's hammer uh, I forget what it's called. It's got some kind of crazy, crazy name. I'm not, I'm not good with all the sacred geometry stuff, but the idea <laughs> here is that it's creating this non-radiating barrier and that you've got this plasma field that's getting created here. And the heat signature represents the area where it's either absorbing the energy from space time because it needs power to make this happen. Um, or it's like the, uh, it's kind of acting like a mushroom where it's like hits that spot and then fans out. Right. I'm still trying to like be able to r- explain it more clearly, but um like who would even think to to even do that right and you'll watch them spinning on their axis as well which is very unusual so and you and said you, that yeah. sorry this heat signature down here this is like where the landing gear is and and this is is, is this unusual yeah so we don't know because there's no other videos like this of planes flying around and this is nighttime as well so we're looking at something in nighttime spectrum and you know and that's why they, we think that when you look at like the blue background, you see all this like black fuzziness because it's technically mm-hmm. nighttime is what's going on here. And there's two heat exhaust ports right there near the landing gear. So the idea is that if the batteries are in the forward cargo bay, mm-hmm. they're being somewhat contained in those cargo bays, which are built to withstand fires. And the smoke is billowing out and going through the air conditioning system. And then it's being flushed out through the heat exhaust ports by the landing gear. Now, alternatively, the landing gear could be on fire as well. And then that could be causing that heat signature. But that heat signature is very hot. Like, it's the same as the mm-hmm. engine, right? Mm-hmm. So right. 
in my mind, this this is, explains the smoke. Plus, if you look at the smoke trail right there in this exact frame, you can, in my opinion, tell pretty clearly that trail is not coming from the engine. It doesn't seem like it matches up to, in my mind. No, right. it's coming from that heat signature. It looks like it's coming from that it's heat coming. signature and then wrapping around the plane, right? And mm -hmm. that's where I think it looks like they're coming from the engine when you look at it from the further out view. But really, I think what's happening here is it's wrapping around the, the hull of the plane and then going out, right? And that's what mm -hmm. gives it the same somewhat appearance as though it's coming from the engine. Yep. So you can keep going. But yeah, these videos, man, I could look at them all day. It's just, it's wild. Now, look at those heat, like those. Uh, yeah, watch that. Well, wow. And then just zap. Just go. gone. Well, look in the back quick. I, there's <laughs> another part where it shows it in slow mo. That's the crazy part, too, is that even and... after this part, you can Oof. see them converge and then within a fraction of a second the whole plane is just gone entirely just gone um and then after this it keeps going and it shows some slow-mo so it shows slow-mo of the orbs this is a different video oh no this zoom is one just... oh no uh, I'll push forward though in that though i want to see um is that the right one yeah no i don't think i have the rest of it oh okay it you don't okay no problem oh can um, i present if, i can it, pull it up if you guys want absolutely you can yeah, let me pull it up okay I'll pull it up for you guys then. Because, um, of course, I've got the videos. Did I you mean, make your you know. own video, Is Did you make your own that, video? That was the one with the Kim thing right yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got to see talks that. about Malaysian Airlines. Yeah, you got to see that, really? Ashley, before we get... Yeah, it's prop. It's, it's, yeah. Do you know yeah. who Kim Clement is? No, I've never heard of him. That's crazy. He... Oh. Yeah, it's... It, it's a we, can, we can look at that in a second, Ashes. yeah. Okay, so here's the same video. Uh, here's the plane disappearing. Uh, let's... So here's the plane, same situation, plane disappears here. And then, and this is the original video from Regicide Anon, is that after this, after the plane disappears, you can see the operator zoom back out, kind of look around, but they're not freaking out like I would have been freaking out if I'm the drone operator. <laughs> right. Um, I'd have been, that camera would have been going wild if that was me. And then it shows it in slow-mo here. Like, they're like, okay, you didn't get enough analysis. Okay, here we go. We're going to show you these orbs in super slow-mo wall zoomed in, right? Where you can see this is Look like a pancakes. field around it. Look at that. Yeah, pancakes. They're like pancakes. When it goes through the, the trail, the smoke trail, too, it distorts as well. It's super weird. And then, like, right there, you kind of saw it distort a little bit. And you can tell it's spinning, like, on a weird axis, too, where the heat signature is, like, yeah. moving around, sometimes not visible as well. Um, and then it shows the slow-mo here of the zap. And this is the part where just wow. So right there, you see this, this thing happening here? The orbs are reorienting. Like right before the zap, they're reorienting. And then it kind of pops back out. And then they just converge. And then poof. And in the frame, right... Uh, I'll try to pause it. Oh, okay, well, it goes slow-mo one more time here. And you can kind of see just like this cold event happens. This black event, which is absolute cold on the thermal happens um similar to like what you would expect from a black hole like you're ripping through the fabric of space time to the ether which is just going to be absolute zero and then you see in the last frame right here look at this gravitational lensing effect happening on these orbs they're just completely flat all of a sudden right here because what they've done here is they've uh oriented their um like their think of it like their beam if you will towards the center of the plane and they're creating a new azimuth, a sphere around the plane, which is creating this super powerful electromagnetic field. And when they pull in, they are amplifying uh, the energy output as well, like magnets, like monopole magnets being jammed together. A uh, similar concept to that. In addition, mm -hmm. the plane blurs here and it actually cools down from the frame right beforehand. 
you can see you can see the engine here in this frame yeah. you can see some more yellow here and the next frame it uh it's just it's all it's all green except for a tiny bit of yellow right there and it's blurring and actually we overlaid it over the other one over the frame before and it's slightly smaller as well which may be like this acceleration effect already beginning to happen it happens so quickly that the camera doesn't even pick it up even though it's like 24 frames per second um so yeah to me this is just absolutely wild and then i'll pull up the second video real quick for us while we have a second yeah. now this yeah. is the original of the second video of uh the regicide anon which is this side-by-side -side stereoscopic meaning that this is two slightly different perspectives and now there's been a lot of argument over whether or not youtube can create this back in 2014 or if the original was just a single view doesn't really matter from our perspective because we actually have two satellites that were right next to each other that are staring down on the same orbital trajectory at this location at the right time. So we we know that there were satellites in the area that could have been filming this. And look at when we look at it from this one, like do you see how fast the orb comes flying in here? Yeah. These orbs yeah, are like, coming in at like two thousand miles an hour. Like it's crazy how fast they come flying in. That orb right there. This orb shoots through this cloud and somebody did some detailed analysis to show that you can see a little distortion in the cloud. Now, I want to switch over mm. to the single view because this is a higher quality version of the video. And you can actually see much better in this version as opposed to the side by side, which is kind of like scrunched down. Um, and then in this video here, you can see this mouse come out of the screen. This mouse basically proves we're looking at a Citrix session. Somebody's logged into a database. They're not recording this with their camera. So there's a little bit of a distortion in the cloud there when this comes through. And if you, if I were to zoom back and forth really quickly, we'd be able to see that there's like movement in the clouds, like the clouds, clouds like evolve, like get slightly bigger and smaller in places. You can mm -hmm. see the pattern of the orbs much clearer in this perspective. And this is from the opposite perspective from the sky looking down. Now, keep in mind, when you're looking at the Earth, the Earth's tilted as well. And depending on the location of the satellites, it might be looking at this angle just recently i can't tell if we're looking at low earth orbit satellites that are beaming data to like a computer or if this is a situation where it's like these um geostationary satellites that are like forty thousand kilometers away where they've got them pointed down and, and they're just at this exact spot if it's if it's that far away the types of telescopes they would have to have are pretty damn advanced but you know who knows we're looking at orbs floating around so <laughs> It looks like they're mapping the plane here. And then when it gets to this cloud, they change orientations. And from here, now they're in a ring formation, which is very bizarre because three points is the, the minimum number of points you need to create a two-dimensional shape, a triangle in three-dimensional space. So the idea here is that if you think of it like a portal, then that's like the minimum requirement to be able to create a portal. And it seems mm -hmm. weird that you would need, you would create a two-dimensional shape but from physics perspective, apparently that's exactly how you would work it out. Now, if you had a fourth orb, the idea would you have a fourth orb, let's just say anywhere, uh, but maybe back here where my mouse is, if you guys can see, I can't tell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but you know, imagine it's much further away and then you would entangle that fourth orb to these orbs even before you sent them out there. And the idea is when this event happens, you're going to zap the whole plane to where the fourth orbs location is. And that can be right. anywhere, right? Most likely somewhere on the earth, but anywhere. Now, right about where I paused it here as well, this is where the orbs actually slow down. And it's consistent with the exact time in the other video where the orbs are reorienting. So they're going a little bit slower there. And then poof, just gone. And like the operator like zooms over to the right to show us like, yep, I'm recording this and there's still more over here. Because otherwise, if this is a fake video. Why are you zooming over to show us more stuff over here to the right? right? right. There's no point. And then they close out their screen recording 
They go up here. You can literally watch the mouse move off the screen at the end. Mouse yeah. moves <laughs> off the screen and closes it. But like that's all he was there for. Like we just want, yeah, but like they just logged into the database. They crop it because we don't see the drone, right? The drone is like right off the screen here, somewhere to the north. Yeah. Like got to be just off the screen. And they crop it down. The drone video doesn't have any HUD data in it. The only data we see in this version is if you look in the bottom left down there, you can see NROL 22. The only debunk that's on the internet, like the from mainstream media, is a Newsweek debunk that claims that that says NROL 33. But you can clearly see those are not threes because you can see 93 if you look about halfway in. And that's the coordinates here is that this is coordinates that are six decimal places accurate in the bottom left, which is exactly what you would get if you go to Google Earth and you type the stuff mm -hmm. in. So, and this is also how we know it's not tracking the plane directly because there's not three axes. Like there's not a height axis here. It's pointing at somewhere on the ground. And there he's moving the, he or she is moving the perspective around to keep the plane in focus. And they've got the screen cropped for the recording it just like this as well. So there might even be other assets that are trying to prevent us from seeing here. So when you start to think about this, you go like, wait a minute, whoever's doing this, like it's not a spy. A spy is going to show us the most information possible, right? The person who's doing this is just trying to give us the most information to be able to figure out what happened to the plane and nothing more, mm -hmm. right? And, and because you look at the timing of the videos, they weren't even leaked together. This video we're looking at here was leaked first. This is the one that on Regicide's account says received March 12th, 2014. That's four and days the after the plane went missing. Yeah, four days. And then it was published May 19th which is like 70 days. So it's like they sat on it. And like maybe they even had to be convinced that what they were looking at was real. If somebody sends me this, I don't even know what I'm looking at, right? A lot of people, when they first looked at this video, when it reemerged, like a lot of people thought we were looking up in this video. That's how right. little perspective we had. They thought we were looking at the sky here, like looking up at the sky. No, we're looking down, right? And you can tell because of the clouds, like the right. clouds yep. here are shaped where you're looking down, right? But that's how nobody had any idea what we would even be capable of right so honestly just completely incredible and i don't know if somebody faked it what's their frame of reference right w one thing that there's a lot of people that pretend to be vfx experts out there that simply are not um but it because a true vfx expert knows that when you do vfx you copy from something you have a frame of reference you say okay here's the thing i want it to look like and now i'm going to make it look like that right these mm -hmm. videos have don't have that there's nothing else that looks like either of these videos out there even these debunks that are out there where they found one frame of the zap in the thermal video and they say that it's close enough or these cloud pictures that they claim oh these clouds have to be you know they have to use this cloud picture to make the video right well that's not a frame of reference for the whole thing or for you know all of these videos that are out there that's still mh370 and the cloud debunk thing is really weird because that's a 2D static picture. And we've shown that the clouds are moving and evolving. Now, it's not moving like, oh, waving around super fast. But that's because the satellites are in outer space, right? That's mm -hmm. minimum 1,100 kilometers away. If I look outside, those uh, clouds outside are only a few miles away. And they don't look like they're moving at all, especially not over a five-second period. Um, but even despite the fact there's this low period, we can actually see the clouds warping and moving slightly. And you can see on the edges, you can kind of see them evolving in certain spots. Now, it's probably not easy to see from this perspective. But if you guys go look at the videos yourselves, maximize it on your screen, uh, guarantee you will see that. And so it's like, well, and we also showed that the orb was distorting the cloud before it goes through it. So it's like these things rule out a 2D picture being used. And not just that, but 
if you need two videos that are in perfect synchronization, like uh, we have a side by side that shows them in perfect synchronization, the orbs in perfect synchronization yep. as well. You would need to build a 3D model, like a diorama, right? But in a, a virtual environment to be able to pull that off so you can get the clouds in the right spots. We actually even showed that the clouds are in the same location when you look at them through two perspectives right before the zap. You can actually see the clouds from like the perspective of the drone. And you're like, oh, there's the cloud right there. And there's the cloud right there. In order to pull that off, you need to have a full 3D rendered environment. And if you have a full 3D rendered environment, you're not using a 2D cloud picture. You're going to make 3D volumetric clouds, right? Um, so that's what's so incredible. That's the body of evidence for you know why these videos are real. In addition to the fact that you would need like classified information about what the drone looks like, what the drone's uh, videos look like, you know, and what even satellite video would just have even any basis for what a satellite video would look like. Because as far as I know, there's been no satellite video uh, from these military systems ever leaked to the public in ever in history. Right. So sorry so, for my rant there, but there you go. That's no, not, that's I, the run. I, I, no, you explain that. I'm like I'm take I'm, my mind's blown because not blown the way you explained it because it makes sense. But I know, like you said at the very beginning of the show, once you have been awakened to this, once your eyes have been opened, once you realize that a lot of what we've been told about our history, about so many things that these same people who would have something like that lie to us every day. So once you're in that frame of mind and, and that point of reference, it's easier to digest this stuff and not instantly throw up the firewall that the world wants us to throw up and go, ah, that's too crazy. I can't. No. Once you've been awakened, you can't. We like to say on the show, once you come out of that box, there's no putting you back in the box. Like your mind is already open to this stuff. And I know that if we're seeing it now, if that was in 2014, you know, you look at what Tesla being Tesla was so far ahead of his time. Who knows how far we are now when that dude was do, probably thinking about stuff like this in the 1800s and early yeah, 1900s. hundred years ago. <laughs> right. So right. I for me and his firmly believe that whatever they decide to show us technology wise, it's probably been around for 30 years. Before Honestly, they decide to show it, yeah. or just if real not quick, longer. On that, on that point, that's what I used to think, right? I I started joining these spaces in the UFO community early on, trying to like I, I didn't know much about the lore of UFOlogy and all this, and I've been getting a crash course, right? And people are going, you know, the military is 10, 20, 30 years more advanced, right? But I'm looking at this and I'm going, uh, more like like fifty or like a hundred, honestly. Like <laughs> I don't even know if they will ever disclose this. Like this is so effing advanced that it's like. This is an ultimate weapon. Like you don't disclose this until you absolutely have to. Like you save this for World War Three or World War Four, right? When somebody shoots a nuke at you and you just zap it back onto them or whatever, right? With this kind of technology, yeah, right, right? Right. Like right. this is this is nuts, and this is also like mind blowing technology. Where like you show a lot of those CNN, excuse me, CNN brain people this. And they're going to like, some of them are going to have like a meltdown. Like some of them are going to be like, my whole life is a lie. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. But, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how else to yeah. sell it to them. But last thing I'll say real quick is that, you know, I, if, I, if I had an easier answer for people, I would absolutely try to sell it as an easier answer, like that this was cloaking or something like that. But the smoke trail stops. Like if that was just cloaking, that smoke trail is going to keep going, right? You're just going to see the smoke trail going um even annihilation which i thought it was early on I, it's still a possibility but from talking to experts like the reason why you have three orbs and everything like that is all very specific for a teleportation type event right mm -hmm. and even myself like 
it's still mind blowing for me. You know, the story I tell people is early on, like this blew my mind. I had such ontological shock from this potentially being real that I was asking my family members and my parents, like, are you guys playing some kind of elaborate prank on me? Is like Mr. Beast going to come out from the back room and be like, yeah, we did the most ultimate prank ever on a person and made some videos and had them try this close because I just couldn't like wrap my brain around it. Like I'm sitting there going like, I would have thought aliens would land on my front lawn and introduce themselves to me personally before I would ever see some technology that's like this out there. And that's why the communities, I think, both hate me is that on the skeptic side, this just destroys their entire worldview. On the believer side, this is like too much for even people that are like, I believe that aliens are talking to me. Like, even those people are like, I don't know about teleportation. That's that's too hard. That's too hardcore. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Have you have you ever uh, read any of Annie Jacobson's books? I'm not familiar. No. To, she, she wrote. I mean, um, now I I can't I quote it this. in exact. Well, that's the paperclip one, one that in the area of 50. Yeah. In the area 51, I mean, she's she's a journalist and she likes to stay open. Like she's not biased. She mm -hmm. she said she wants to believe that aliens are real, but also like is very very well could not be, you know. Yeah. And she does all this digging. She did all the stuff with Bob Lazar, like interviews, okay. uh, deep ones way back in the day. And she had over 70 interviews with uh, different CIA agents, engineers, all this stuff about different tech that was out there. And I find it interesting because she said both the communities started to hate her because <laughs> what because what she just what they came up with. After all this research, her book is called Area 51, and it's is that things may be a lot more different than people realize because they're even going back to the whole Roswell crash and that a lot of this stuff was Soviet propaganda. And yeah, it's a lot and, different and than what they, people expect. And what they actually like mutilated children to make them look like aliens. And this came from apparently the successor of Oppenheimer on the Manhattan Project that she interviewed. Yeah. And so there's a lot of crazy stuff that a lot of this could be propaganda, but the tech is out there and we just don't know about it. That's right. pretty much my but opinion, it's... right? Is like, I, I don't know what the deal with aliens is. What I will say is if you can teleport a plane like that and go faster than light, mm -hmm. well, that does open the door for, you know, the big drawback is like, everything's too far away, right? Alpha Centauri is the closest star and it's three to four light years away. That means you have to go at the speed of light for four years in order to get to us, right? That's really, really far. Like the closest galaxy is like thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of light years away. So if you can go faster the speed of light, then I think it does open the door for that. But to me, I just don't care. Aliens doesn't change my my worldview or anything in any way, shape or form. Right. It's the technology. And that's where you could see where they would use aliens as a cover up. Because what happens when you look Absolutely. at the UFO community? Everybody's just talking about alien bodies and, oh, these hovering craft. And I'm sitting here going, well. Let's just think logically about this crazy videos that we see teleportation happening. Now imagine that that's a weapon, right? You, you, as my buddy Dave says, you turn it sideways and now you've got a rail gun that can maybe create a black hole, right? Like you can destroy the whole planet, right? This is doomsday technology that we're talking about. And then you start to realize like, oh, that's a big enough reason for them to invent this alien narrative, right? Because this technology is so dangerous. They don't want anybody to be able to have it. And they want to maintain power because whoever has this technology controls the full, the whole world. And some people out there are probably going, well, there's no way this can be real, right? Like somebody would leak the stuff. Well, I would say some people do try to leak the stuff. And what happens to them? 
they get discredited. Look what happens to Bob Lazar, right? Bob Lazar comes out and he's like, I'm going to go talk to the news and everybody's going to think I'm awesome. And I'm going to take pictures in front of my car looking awesome and cool. And I'm going to be turned into this hero. And what do they do? They destroy him. They destroy him in the media. They destroy his credibility. They just potentially destroy his school records so that there's no one can corroborate any of his background. And they ignore him. For we ignored him for like 30 years, right? And not only mm-hmm. now are people like actually going, well, maybe this guy knew what he was talking about because we still see UFOs all over the place, right? And and it's that's not consistent. And it's to consistent. This day. And this is what I've talked about too. Is this I've been talking to engineers and scientists. Some of them are just outright telling me this stuff's real. Other of them are like beating around the bush because they want to be careful about helping our adversaries and what have you. And they all saw the same story is that. Even if you come out, nobody believes you. It's just because it's like magic, right? Nobody's going to believe it until they hear it from the authority. And that's the scary part is going back to the awake versus asleep thing is that once you get woken up and you realize that the United States government controls the Western media and that even if you come out, they're going to control the media and make sure that nobody talks to you. And even if they do talk to you, then they're going to make sure they destroy your credibility, right? And then no one's going to believe you no matter what, especially if you have outlandish claims. So it almost reaches a point where it's like, Go ahead, say whatever you're going to say. As someone who was uh, doing the Dark Knight quote, it's like, oh, you're going to go say that your boss is uh, a billionaire that's been flying around and fighting crime at night or whatever, and and you want to go against this person? It's like, yeah, good luck, right? They're just going to completely wipe you know wipe you out, and that's what they do is that yep. they just discredit people and they make you not believe it, and and then the question is, well, how do you even get it out at that point? You know, this is the question I would ask you guys. So, assuming this stuff's real. You know, how do you get it out? My approach has been talk to you guys, talk to alternative media, right? Yeah. Go everywhere where the people will listen. And I know there's a lot of people that still will think it's no chance, right? It's too crazy. Science right. doesn't tell me it is. But this is what I would say to those people is that science will come out one day. Uh, and the precursors for the science will come out probably sooner than later. And when that starts to happen, then I hope people look back at these videos and go, hmm, what if, what if? Well, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's showing the video. You got to see this. You got to see this. Because the truth is stranger than fiction, man. And and I believe this is, I mean, all of what we're going through is, is biblical. And if you think about technology, you know, they found artifacts all the time that of, you know, things that don't make sense. The pyramids, the structures that were built, that we're supposed to believe were built in the dark ages that apparently we can no longer recreate anymore. And you yeah. think about, the stuff that was going on in in Noah's time, and we're led to believe that 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 we were we were just wearing robes and had hammers and chisels. And what if we were more advanced? What if we were more advanced in back then? And now we're history is now repeating itself again. And the same evil that's in the world has this crazy technology. Well, that's what scares me too. Is that uh, like we were talking about before? I think that the whole thing about the UFO phenomena is not going to be a comfortable thing that people want. Everyone wants this comfortable answer, right? Oh, aliens are coming to say hi. They're going to save us or whatever, right? <laughs> nope. What if we're on a freaking prison planet, and every time we reach a certain level of technological advancement, they just wipe us back down to the Stone Age again, right? Like the thing that bugs me is that for a civilization as advanced as we are, where I've got a iPhone here that can do 50 bazillion things. I don't even know how this thing works, right? I've got this thing going on and civilization, they say human history is only 10,000 years old. And I'm going, if I were to put myself in another civilization somewhere that's as advanced as we are, and we're just guess at how long the civilization's history has been around, I'd say 100,000 years or more, right? But our civilization is only 10,000 years. 
and we've got these pyramids that we can't even recreate anymore that we can't even date this stuff correctly and sphinxes that have water erosion on them in the middle of the desert right and i'm just sitting here going man what if this is like really dark right like what if there's an answer that that just doesn't come out because it's not something we're really prepared to accept mm -hmm. right and uh so this this video and i hope the audio works because last time i tried it didn't work but um so Kim Clement, he's he's now a people can have their opinion about him, but he is a prophet. He has a lot of prophecies that have become true. There are prophecies that are unfolding. And he had this one about Malaysian Airlines. And uh, it, it's very interesting, especially um, just what he says. So let me know if you guys can hear it uh, once it starts playing. You hear that? I can't, but I, oh, I don't Dang know if the audience can or not. Yeah, that always happens to me. You can't why. hear sound. Um, it it did this to me last time. Um, shoot, I gotta figure out how to do this. I don't know why. I can hear it when it's playing, but hmm. maybe I gotta add some audio to it or something. I don't know. Oh man, I'm a I'm a, I'm a. Oh, got it. Oh, let's do it. Long before time began, this day was spoken of. Powers and principalities spoke of this day where he would take the nations of the earth and shake them. Where he had planned that his people, God's people, would shake from fear. And even now, you watch in fear. Why are my people afraid? Why are my people fearful? For we have no understanding of what the enemy is doing. Snowden, you were a puppet in the hands of God. For America suddenly lost its security. Suddenly you weren't as strong, as insightful as what you thought. This incident this tragedy with Malaysian Airlines has brought this nation to a place of fear. We don't know. You're not supposed to know. <laughs> I laugh at you. But all the nations stand before me now without intelligence. Without understanding, they know nothing. Where is your radar? Where is your intelligence? Why can you not find the coffin on wheels? Why can you not do it? For I have shown the entire earth 
you know nothing. This is just the beginning, says the Lord. They will train pilots and have trained pilots to plunge, to attack, to steal, and then to crawl into Israel and destroy my people. This shall not happen, says the Lord. For once again, I will show you I am the God of the earth. I am the Lord of the universe. Hear me now. You have gathered together. So what happened to the jet? Is that what really matters? For the Spirit of God says, I will surprise you and show you a new territorial spirit has arisen and has fouled the nations of the earth, has fooled the nations of the earth. And God said it will continue. And they shall say, this has given us a, an idea. Steal jets. And your intelligence says it shall never happen since we have implemented the security since 2011. Ha! And what you have done, says the Lord, is you have ignored your reliance upon the king of life itself. The Lord your God. Now you're at my mercy, says the Lord. Search as much as you wish. Wow. It's, does he say Snowden there? Is he talking about Eric, he uh, Edward Snowden? In the beginning, yeah, he's talking wow. about Edward Snowden. Yeah, the part about the radar is super weird because here's the thing, too, is that like, there's no way the United States government doesn't know up in this plane. We are able to show there's something called the Sibir system that's mapping the mm -hmm. whole world of satellites every 10 seconds. And that was operational in 2013. Uh, and they even used old DSP satellites in its constellation that is just mapping the whole planet all the time. They've got full video playback of the whole planet, like all the time. And the radars, there was at least four countries. Um, Thailand, I'm not even including Malaysia. Thailand, Indonesia, India, those bases we were talking about, uh, as mm -hmm. well as Australia. All of them have radar systems that should have been able to see the plane. Not just that, there's at least three advanced military bases. There's a uh, signals intelligence, Cocoa Islands military base. This plane would have flown right past it. Diego Garcia supposedly has radar system that's so advanced that it can see like 3,000 miles that would have seen the plane from takeoff Jeez. to wherever it crashed. And Pine Gap is this really advanced military base in Australia that also theoretically could have seen it with radar. How do all of these not see it? How does the SOSA system, the same one where we heard that Titan sub pop back last year, this tiny sub, tiny little sub, they hear it implode. Not just hear it implode, they freaking pinpoint its location and where it imploded. They had no <laughs> problem lying and just not bringing it up to the media while everyone's like, CNN brains, oh, how much oxygen is left in the tiny sub at the bottom of the ocean? They knew the thing had popped. And then five days later, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we knew it popped right away. We're going to go pick up those pieces tomorrow. Like, what? <laughs> right? So, of course, they're going to hear a 777 crashing into the ocean. And there's two right. hydrophone systems right there as well. There's one in Diego Garcia and one off the coast of Western Australia. All these hydrophones and acoustic systems, they don't hear anything. There's satellites see nothing. The radars don't see anything. Like, this is the part where I just tell people, like, wake up, guys. Like, oh, but the Immersat pings. I'm like, guys, okay, you got some Immersat pings where I can flip around one number. And now all your data is falsified, right? Versus just common sense and common reasoning that says, 
We would have seen the plane. We would have found it. We would have found black boxes, right? If those pings were accurate, which they claim that they've got this perfect arc where the plane crashed into the ocean, they searched all up and down it above water and below water. They didn't find one piece of the plane. Again, the pl the pieces of the plane they found, which are only three pieces, three tiny pieces tied to the plane, were in Africa, 3,000 miles away. They did this debris uh, drift analysis. They throw some boards in the ocean near, near where they think the plane would have gone into the water and mm -hmm. right away realize there's no chance it would have ever gotten to the Reunion Islands in Africa. And they're like, uh, just kidding. We're going to do a new model and we're going to get the Americans, <laughs> of course, the Americans to give us a new 777 flapper yeah. on. And then they claim, oh, yeah, they throw it in the water and they go, oh, yeah, this this would have made it. We're good. This proves it. Like they don't, it's not like they even follow right. it to get it there. They just say, Oh, the modeling says it's going to make it there, right? Guys, I lived through COVID. Modeling is bullshit. Okay. So, um, <laughs> it's just, I look at it and I go, I wish these experts and stuff would just use common sense, right? And even people like Jeff Wise were like, The Russians took it. I'm in still in 2016, and the Russia is the cause of all problems. I'm like, Guys, there's another superpower that's like way more advanced than Russia. It's called the United States. Like, we're much more likely of taking this plane. And where do we take it? Diego Garcia. There's Area 51 on steroids right there in the Indian Ocean right. where there's yeah. nothing around it. Perfect place to hide a plane. There's even some island, 20 islanders on this. I think it's called Kuvo Haduvo. I'm probably butchering the name. Some tiny island, right? There's only 3,000 people live on this island. They don't see jumbo jets fly overhead. That morning at 6 a.m., they see a jumbo jet flying incredibly low so clearly that they can make out the windows and the red and white stripe of Malaysian Airlines on it. What happens? Just completely dismissed. They just say, nah, those people didn't see it. And there's a fire extinguishing device that washes up in the Maldives like a few weeks after the plane goes missing. People think it's a bomb because it looks like this metal sphere. Mm -hmm. Now, first of all, for the sphere to even wash up a metal sphere like that, it has to be hollow on the inside. So it actually has to. And if you look at these fire extinguishing devices, it's an exact match to a 777 fire extinguishing device. Exact match. That's literally what it is. And it would have to be empty as well for it to wash up like that. So we've got a 777 fire extinguishing device washing up in the Maldives and 20 islanders seeing the literal plane flying south towards Diego Garcia. So what happens to all those people? Uh, the Maldives is intentionally excluded from the search. They're not uh, participating in any way. Why? Why? And the, this minister <laughs> of defense odd. is just like, yeah, we've we've ruled that out. That's a lie. Like, no, it, it happened. I'm, I'm literally looking at pictures of the fire extinguishing device. I can see little serial numbers on it, right? I have a feeling that would probably match to a B777, maybe even Malaysian Airlines directly. Um, pretty wild stuff, man. It is Crazy. wild. It is wild. Crazy. And you're definitely the guy to talk to about all this stuff yeah. because, man. I wouldn't really want to I'm, talk to anybody else. Honestly, anybody else yeah. that gives their opinion about it, I'll be like, you know, go listen to Ashley because... I don't think anybody can do it better than what you guys have done. What yeah. you've done, it's uh, it's been it's it's pretty remarkable what you guys have uncovered. Yeah, the other experts are you, kind of boring, man. Like I've watched yeah. like Jeff Wise. He's got this deep dive thing, and like, yeah, he knows some of his stuff, right? But it's just, it, you know, people don't watch because, like, I think there's something about the truth that people resonate with, right? Like, even if it's mm -hmm. incredible truth, versus when you hear like old, lot tired lies, you're like, yeah, it doesn't, uh, right? And the only person I really respect is Florence Duchangi. Uh, I've talked to her a lot personally, actually. And despite the fact I'm seeing her talking about teleportation, it doesn't she doesn't immediately shut off her brain, right? She still goes, huh, well, tell me more about your data points and, and stuff like that. And I don't think we yeah. 
you know, have the same theory in terms of what happens, but she's, she's like an old school investigative journalist, right? Like somebody who wants to dig into it. Um, and I respect the hell out of her. She wrote a book disappearing act that is like 500 page, like almost like a thriller in terms of like putting the evidence together and telling this story about it. Um, but there's one last thing I want to talk to you guys about, which is the leaker. Um, okay. Yeah. And it's, be- it's because of what the, I saw in your guys intro, which your intro by the way is just straight fire. But, um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks. So I'm sitting there one day in like October and I'm going, huh, I wonder if I can find out who leaked these videos. Like I got a really good idea. It's gotta be us military personnel. I start Googling around, find out that unless it's in martial law, like you can't hide charges like this, no matter how crazy they are. So I'm like, they had to have been charged. It has to be out there on the internet somewhere, right? In the public. And I'm Googling around. I'm really finding nothing. I find all these people like Chelsea Mannings and the Edward Snowdens. And I look into them anyway, just to see, right? But I'm looking for something that like stands out, right? Like it's got to be real damning in terms of what they were getting uh, got for. And I would imagine it's pretty big because like we're looking at some pretty crazy tech here, right? And I was about to give up. And, and then the second week, I'm like, I need to search date ranges that are much more narrow. Because I'm thinking they would have had to charge them within a year or two afterwards. Maybe not right away. uh, Because you don't want people to like be able to tie it together right away. And then I run across Lieutenant Commander Edward C. Lynn. And right away, there's just alarm bells are going off, right? The strange case of Lieutenant Commander Edward C. Lynn charged with... uh, uh, espionage potential going to life for pri- or uh, going to prison for life potentially first case of an active duty member of the navy being charged with espionage in over 50 years since the cold war right signals intelligence all over every single news article and i'm going whoa signals intelligence oh also assigned to the vpu spy plane super secret spy plane uh, squadron in february of 2014 the month before the plane disappears we have a quote from his lawyer saying the investigation into him began April 2nd, 2014, like just weeks after the plane disappears. It gets Dang. better. It gets even better. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm already have enough where I'm like, oh, boy, this is this is the guy. Right. And then his lawyer says the classified information in question is available on the Internet, but no one will say what the classified information is. They find out that there's no evidence to exchange any information with anyone from China. The, the whole espionage thing was just overcharging him. They throw a bunch of bullshit charges on there, like prostitution. They redact all everything about his charge sheet, so we can't see any dates or anything regarding it that's out there. He gets caught with flight manifests in his flight suit that includes search and rescue code names. Okay, I mean, what other what other search and rescue oh. man? Like it's MH three seven zero. He's tied to right. this plane. He was yeah. he was might have been there that night. Maybe it was part of the Cope Tiger exercises that were about to go on, right? Um, and so, you know, I look into him and he ends up taking a plea deal where he's been charged with life in prison. And he says, all the charges are basically bullshit against me, except for two charges that were real. And he accepts guilt for the two charges that were real. We look at his appeals later on. The penal codes on the appeals are consistent with the evidence potentially being videos. It could be other written stuff too, but videos are one of the possibilities. He even argues that he was over, he got, uh, uh, um, sentence that was way too harsh he got nine years after a plea deal after a plea deal for dissemination of classified information right and you're going that's way too much if you guys go look out there you'll find out if you just like people that had like classified information dissemination like uh general petraeus i think was one of the ones who maybe did you get like a slap on the wrist like a couple months maybe a year right they're throwing mm-hmm. nine years at this guy and uh so i i foia'd the his whole case file 
with both the FBI and NCIS, which are the ones that he wrote the plea deal with, because he most likely can never talk again because of the plea deal. He actually got out like a year and a half ago. Um, they shaved off three years off that nine year sentence because he like worked with them. Right. Probably because mm -hmm. he leaked these videos and he's like, they want to know, like, who did he leak them to? Where did they go to? They want to know everything about it. Right. And he probably didn't even know what he was leaking. He probably just thought he was leaking some UFO videos. Right. And then he gets told, like, right. nah, dude, that was our super secret teleportation technology that you just, you know, showed the whole world. <laughs> now, the good news is nobody's going to believe it. The bad news is China and Russia and their intel operatives are definitely going to know that it's real and they're going to start to reverse engineer it, right? Same way that we did. Um, but the the FBI rejects my FOIA saying it's like private information or something. I'm going, what do you mean? Just redact the private information. What the hell are you talking about? And then the NCIS rejects it in total under an exemption, Obama-era exemption. Now, Obama loosened FOIA requests in 2009, but he put these exemptions in place. And one of the exemptions that they used against me was to be kept secret in the interest of national defense or foreign policy. And I'm just sitting there going mm. like foreign policy doesn't make sense. It's not a spy case, right? They admitted it wasn't a spy case later on. So national defense, like, okay. I mean, I guess on the skeptic side, you might say, oh, well, he leaked some other thing that's national defense. Now on the side where you think those videos are real, though, you're going, okay, now you see why it's national defense. Like that's the super weapon. Right. That's beyond nuclear weapons level of classification. Yep. Right. And that's why they couldn't anything. give me a single thing. They couldn't even give me redacted documents because they're looking at me going, yeah, this guy's uh, spilling the beans on, on Twitter like all day long, every day for the last few months. Like if we give him anything, he's going to find something that we forget to redact. That's going to tie him to the plane. Right. I even called mm -hmm. him up. We we're able to find it's, it's actually really easy to find people's personal information. I don't not advocating for this <laughs> for anybody out there. <laughs> but I was kind of shocked at how easy it was because like we corroborated like based on data points on where we knew he used to be. And we're like, oh, this is him. This is his phone number. And uh, I called his phone number and somebody picks up and hangs up right away, like picks up click. And I'm going, whoa, that's weird. Because like, wouldn't you let it go to voicemail or like say something yeah, right? like, wrong number? But if it's somebody where like you don't want to talk to somebody, you don't want them to even hear your voice. Like that's what you do, right? And so I sent him some text messages telling him that he's my hero because that's the truth. He's more of a hero to me than anybody else out there. More than a hero than Edward C. or uh, than like Edward Snowden, who I, I think is also somebody who's been, you know, putting stuff out there. More of a hero to me than David Grush, who's out there telling Congress that aliens and UFO craft exist, right? Because this is a guy that like he broke his NDA. Like he went out and was like, I want the world to know the truth about MH370. And the only way it's going to happen is that these videos come out. Right. We even found his Facebook. And this is the part that ties to your intro. Looked at his Facebook. He was friends with uh, with General Flynn. And I'm going, whoa, this guy was connected. Like we go look through his history and he like was a congressional aide. Like this was like in the business world, you would say like this guy is being like fast tracked for upper management. Right. Like that was like what his history was. He was a Taiwanese naturalized American. So he came here. He was a patriot his whole life. We trusted him with nuclear weapons. Right. This guy was not a guy who was a spy or any kind of traitor at all. Right. And that's what tells me that like he was a guy that had a very strong sense of doing the right thing. And, you know, he wanted to just do what he thought was the right thing in that moment. He probably had an emotional reaction to what he saw on those videos, just like anyone would. Right. And the fact that he was friends with friends with General Flynn, I was like, oh, boy, that's that's really interesting. And then General that Flynn followed me on Twitter a few weeks ago as well. And I went, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, he was the head of military um, intelligence. Yeah. 
It's so I think General Flynn would be in a position to know, honestly. Advisor. Um the other general that we found too is this is another little short story is that early on, very early on, before I got big or anything like that, there was somebody blabbing over on Reddit about they have information they want to share with somebody. And somebody linked me up with them. They got to me on Twitter. And they're like, hey, first thing I want to ask you is like, do you think the videos are real? That's the only thing holding me back. And I'm going, uh, dude, like I'm the guy going like these videos are real and I'm investigating them. Right. And he goes, well, I'm friends with this uh, nephew of this general. And the nephew showed the general the videos and he didn't laugh at them. And he basically corroborates that they're they're legit, like a general that would be in the know. And I'm like, OK, what's the general's name? Uh, his name is Joseph F. Dunford. And I'm going, hmm, never, never heard of him. I don't really know all the general names or anything like that. So I Google him. Right. Well, it turns out that he was head of the International Security Forces in Afghanistan uh, from like 2012 to 2014. So he would have literally have been in the position to be the, the guy in charge of the operation, potentially. He was in the exact potential location, potentially in there. Then he gets a big promotion to the highest ranked military officer in the entire United States in 2015 under Trump and uh, under Obama and Trump from 2015 to 2019. He was the top ranked military officer, uh, you know, the person that reported to the president, the secretary of defense, the joint chiefs of staff, all those people, highest ranked guy. Then he retires in 2019. 2020, uh, he goes into the private sector, goes to be the board of directors at Lockheed Martin. Wow, that's pretty crazy because I've been sitting there talking about those orbs are Lockheed Martin orbs. We look at all these patents. Lockheed Martin's got craziest patents you could have ever imagined. Coherent matter wave beam, uh, focused magnetic uh, beam generator, just the craziest stuff. And you're going like, if you combine all these patents together, can we get some floaty orbs that can zap a plane? Right. Right. And so we've got one general that's potentially connected to the guy who leaked the videos. And we've got another general who's on the board of directors at Lockheed Martin, where he's like in the intelligence division or something related to them. I don't know the exact uh, term for it. And I'm just going, man, there's some people out there that know some crazy crap and they just <laughs> yeah. either can't get it out or even if they got it out, no one would believe them either. And then it's also a national security risk at the same time, right? Where if China gets this, North Korea, let's say ISIS, like terrorists get this, it would definitely be a threat, you know? Absolutely. Wow. Right. If you could just zap somebody out of the middle of the sky, I mean, it's the ultimate weapon. Yeah, well, ultimate weapon. So you, you can Ashton, the, there is a. So number one, I'll bet you money you're going to go back and listen to that Kim Clement prophecy again. <laughs> I probably will. <laughs> but he has he has some he has some really good ones that will probably blow your mind. I mean, he was one of the yeah. reasons of I woke up like. Because yeah. I start, I, I stumbled across it, and then the stuff starts happening. You're like, your mind's a little bit blown, and you start researching more. And it was like I was drawn to, to the prophetic. But in one of his prophecies, I mean, you think about what we're learning. He says, "I'm." He says, "I'm. I'm beyond the. I'm in the year 2027," and he says, "We are beyond the veil of limitations." Wow. So you no, think about. Here's the thing about that, too, is that when you start to even understand this technology is real and there's other crazy stuff like, you know, when it comes to zero point energy and being able to absorb energy from the vacuum of space time, they call that over unity, which is the idea that you are pulling out more energy than you're putting into a system. People say, well, that's impossible. Breaks the laws of thermodynamics. But if you open your system up 
to the vacuum of energy of space-time, now you are kind of bending the rules. And that's how it works. And it's real too. I just, I can't prove it, but I know it. Um, and, and this is the part where it's like, there's a lot of advanced technology out there that is out there. And all we have to do is we have to rethink our idea of physics in general, and it will completely revolutionize and change our entire planet. Right. And that's kind of what I'm mm -hmm. not a prophet or anything like that, but, um, I want people to know that yeah, in general. And you start to wonder though, then like, where is the line between reality and fiction anymore? Right. Like if we right. can get free energy mm -hmm. is what we're kind of talking about and teleport mm -hmm. objects. Um, what even is reality? Right. Like that you have big questions like this are out there. And then I'm not one who's big into esoteric stuff, but like for people that are in UFOlogy, like remote viewing, psychic power, stuff like that, you do kind of begin to wonder, like, can some of that stuff even be real? Right. And that's where it's like I try to keep it as grounded as I can, as much as you can while you're talking about teleportation of seven, seven, sevens, the size of a city block. Um, right. But it does make you wonder. Right. And what I would say to people, too, is that, you know, Yes, a lot of this stuff seems really crazy and maybe true. Try to keep it as grounded as you can, right? Like, I think the people that are out there that are awake aren't going to have a problem with it. But mm -hmm. people that aren't awake yet, you probably go through an element of ontological shock when you realize where you begin to wonder what's fake and what's real. And are you in the Truman Show or what have you? And I would just right. tell those people, you're still in reality. You know, it just doesn't diminish our, our world and our lived experiences or anything out there, right? It just it adds a level of mysticism to them and mystery and, and intrigue. Right. Absolutely. And we should want to seek that out, man. I don't like, I don't want to live in the world where I'm told what to believe. Like I, I, I'm firmly, um, is, and I talk about all the time that we believe we are more powerful than they would like us to know. Right. If you have evil people that rule the world, they want you to be as dumb as possible. Right. The easier to control. And, you know, if if we're a carbon copy of a spiritual being, obviously, I think we're more powerful than we can imagine. And they do a really good job of dumbing us down. And you're right. Their biggest fear is that we wake up because we can we're creators. We can create our reality. That's that's, that's the biggest thing. So if I knew that. Thing about it. Sorry. Sorry. Well, just if I knew that if I was evil and I knew that you could create the reality. I would sell you a false one to keep you under my control. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like, you know, we've talked about the tech and stuff out there. Uh, just think like this, this blue beam that's been shown to be that, that it's already been worked on and it's 100% real. I mean, this is tech that Nikola Tesla talked about 80 years ago that he had. Right. And he said, if you want to understand, if you want the secrets to the universe, think of energy, frequency, and vibration. So if we're talking energy here, well, we haven't tapped into something. I mean, through energy, I think anything is possible. Anything. It's everything. Mass is energy, right? E equals MC squared. And that's, uh, I absolutely think that's true. And like I was talking with the vibration and the frequency too, like think back to the wine glass, right? You create right. a resonance and you create a resonance. You can watch the wine glass warping more and more and more and then it shatters, right? That's the mm -hmm. secret, right? Those are, uh, how do we achieve second order effects, Right. So, and this is something that I've only recently been dabbling with, but imagine that you can take two light beams, two lasers, and you can have them intersect and uh, cohere so that the wave patterns are exactly in synchronization with one another. And then they begin to bend, right? Like a caduceus. 
And now they can create a second order effect where they have proper, new properties that they didn't have originally, right? This is the same idea here with uh, with, with uh, sound waves or any type of waves that are out there. This is why we call it uh, macroscopic phase conjugation and macroscopic quantum coherence is that you're having the waves make love. When, they, when the waves fight each other, explodes like an atom bomb. What's the opposite then? Something we don't quite understand, which then can allow for stuff like gravity manipulation, right? It's the waves are making love yes. and now they're they're creating a child that has properties that isn't quite like either parent it's potentially a mix of the parents but also has its own uniqueness to it as well so that's the analogy that i would kind of give people to understand this and if you want some other scientists to look into um thomas townsend brown for sure if anyone wants is a younger person that wants to know i mean says i'm interested in this but like what do i need to learn electrical engineering i'm a hundred percent sure electrical engineering is the secrets of the universe don't bother with physics don't bother with chemical engineering or any of that stuff electrical engineering that's where it's all at that's what i've been learning and teaching myself look at maxwell's equations realize that when you look at maxwell's equations that they've taken the uh can't remember what it is the b something or other formula and they've zeroed it out and the reason why they zeroed it out is because if you don't zero it out, now you can manipulate gravity using electromagnetics. Um, mm. So this is it's that simple. And like you were saying, it's how they keep us dumb is that they even people who think they're smart and they're academics, they just learn what they read. If you just change one number to a zero, now right. everybody's learning the wrong science. Right. Um, and then learn into look into scalar physics and scalar uh, fields as well, because that seems to be where it's all at. I still got a long way to go on my journey of the scientific side, but it's given me new hope and rejuvenation to, you know, there's this clip of Elon Musk where he says, you know, you've got to have a reason to wake up in the morning and look forward to the future. And for me, this has given me a new future. It's, it's changed every aspect of my whole life. Um, you know, no longer am I somebody who after work, I just go turn on Netflix or play video games or whatever. Instead, Thanks. I'm sitting here learning the science, uh, talking with smart people that I never would have met before. Um, and that, and I think that wakes you up, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, what was the name? Thomas, uh, Thomas Brown. Um, yeah. So it, Jesse Michaels just did a big documentary on him, which is incredible, honestly, uh, about Thomas Townsend Brown, um, that goes through the history of him. He was an electrical engineer. Uh, he worked with Albert Einstein. Um, he was looking into trying to understand how UFOs float and all this stuff that's out there. Uh, and he, I think that he had figured out the secrets of, you know, the universe. And I don't know when exactly he died. It probably was after the 80s, but it's been a while now. And there's other people as well. Like if you want to understand how a wormhole can be possible, then you want to look into ER equals EPR, which stands for Einstein Rosen, as in Einstein Rosen Bridge, as in a wormhole, equals Einstein Rosen Poldowski. ER equals EPR. Uh, Einstein yeah. Rosen Poldowski has to do with quantum entanglement. And then the Einstein uh, Rosen has to do with wormholes. So that's very large things versus very small things. So quantum mechanics, how you unify quantum mechanics and general relativity. And uh, if you look up ER equals EPR, you will find two scientists. One is Leonard Susskind, and the other one is Juan Maldacena. And they've been promoting this idea that this is how you unify how we have like quantum teleportation with the idea of a wormhole in the macroscopic world. Um, it's pretty revolutionary stuff, but it's only been out there since like 2013. And mm -hmm. this is how slow science is, right? Like we're 11 years later and still people are like, 
not catching on to that and not really looking at it. And I've been looking at it and going, whoa, this is this is it. This is explaining how you move a teleport plane. Like, there it is. So <laughs> yeah, right. But the crazy part, last thing I'll leave people with is you don't have to be a genius to figure this stuff out. That's one thing I've learned, right? People go, Oh, Ashton must be so smart, but I'm just applied. Like I just am motivated to look at it, mm -hmm. right? There's YouTube videos you can check out about all these people's names that I put out there. You can dig into it and it may seem daunting at first, but if you start small, like we started um, with my science streams, just look at the basics of like electrical engineering, like how a circuit works and how the electrons flow. And then you start building up to these bigger concepts and then things will start slowly. What happens is one day all of a sudden it starts to make sense and it still hasn't quite hit that point for me, but that's kind of how it works. And one day you're like, oh, this all starts to make sense. And then you start digging into the more advanced stuff and you're like, oh, I see how this fits into this framework that I've begun to understand. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, you're man. right, man. Motivated. That's a that's the greatest yeah. word. Mm -hmm. Motivated because, like, uh, I don't. I, I still think some people around me don't understand. Like, I, I'm not the guy that wants to come home and veg out and watch TV. And I'm for the. I'm motivated to do something, and it's learn. Like, I feel like my brain is a giant sponge right now, just mm -hmm. trying to soak up all this information. I find instead myself of vegging out for far too long. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> is is same. I mean, but that's I enjoy it though. Like, there's nothing better than I. I like. I want to learn. I don't want to be numb to the world around me anymore. I want to learn about it. So there you go. Yeah, it's exhausting too, to be honest with you. But it it's, is. it's worth it. Is. It is. Me, you, before you the show. Yeah, but yeah, before the show, I told is, I was like, but I, I was like, I'm tired. Like, I have those days where. I'm just you would think it's it's physically exhausting just sucking in all this information. Yeah, yep. it, it definitely is. Um, again, thank you for coming on. We highly appreciate it. Uh, everybody, uh, his YouTube channel, his Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, is is below in the in the info. You can go ahead, check him out. Uh, he's he's got a lot of videos on there and he's he does excellent work. So. Again, thank you, Ashton. And uh, Chris, you got anything else before we get yeah, out I just want to, this one is, this was awesome, dude. I knew it was going to be a fun, fun conversation, uh, but I had a lot of fun tonight. And thanks for joining us uh, and just keep up the good work, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. And yeah. thanks for your audience for listening. I appreciate all the open minds that are out there. And if we can even open one more mind, then it'll have been worthwhile. So appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Right thank on. you. Uh, have a great rest of the night, everybody. And we'll talk to you guys later. Holla. Holla.